Hello and welcome to the Medjlis Podcast, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty's current affairs talk show focusing on Central Asia. I'm Bruce Paneer, host of the Medjlis and author of the weekly Central Asia and Focus newsletter. The signs of climate change are everywhere, and Central Asia is one of the regions of the world that is predicted to be hit the hardest. Already there is evidence. Central Asia is again registering record high temperatures this summer, in some places eclipsing record temperatures set just one or two summers ago. And along with these high temperatures, there are accompanying problems with providing water and electricity. Power shortages were once associated with winter months in Central Asia, but now the increased demand for electricity in the summer is straining the abilities of the energy infrastructure in the region. And to discuss all this, I am joined by Norzat Abdurrasulova, president of Unison Group, a Bishkek-based strategic advisory firm on sustainable opportunities. Farouk Yusufi, the director of RFARL's Turkmen service, known locally as Azad Lik. And we're hoping to be joined shortly by Ali Shir Sadiq, the director of RFARL's Uzbek service, known locally as Azad Lik. Uh, thank you for joining me. And Nurzat, I'd like to start with you. Kyrgyzstan just declared a three-year energy emergency situation that starts on August 1st. Most of Kyrgyzstan's domestic electricity production comes from hydropower plants, and it's been another dry year. Could you first tell me about the water situation in Kyrgyzstan at this moment, please? Hello, Bruce. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, uh, so Kyrgyzstan water situation is uh, pretty much connected with the electricity because 90% of the electricity generation comes from the hydropower stations. And uh, for the last years, um, droughts have been happening severe in Kyrgyzstan. So we have been already experiencing the lack of the, I mean, the less precipitation snows in this uh, winter time and um, uh, rains in the summertime. And uh, uh, the uh, water inflow only depends now mostly on from the glaciers. And glaciers is also decreasing drastically for the last 30 years. So from this point of view, we can, uh, in a um, our real life already see that how much uh, water decrease already happening. And uh, our uh, weather is happening also very hot because heat waves is increasing every year. So uh, our according to our um, experts, meteorologists, uh, 20 years ago, like uh, it used to be the heat waves uh, happening in the summer about the 10 days. Now we have uh, about the 30 days. So, which is also actually the increase, I mean, that leading into the situation that uh, we have a lot of problem with the water. And the water in uh, Kyrgyzstan uh, is um, not only about the energy, it's also about the agriculture. You know, we are agricultural country, so that's why it's uh, also the problem more uh, deeper in a way that uh, it's uh, water energy and uh, food nexus. So, it's an uh, emergency situation is uh, already really showing that the um, serious situation with the energy supply in the country. So we uh, expect that uh, because of the uh, problems with the um, uh, water um, uh, collection in the water reservoirs, uh, we will be having the problem with the water, uh, like electricity generation in, a, in, a, in, a, in generally. And uh, demand is uh, quite increasing. Uh, so it's uh, quite changing actually the, in Kyrgyzstan. Uh, the, I mean that the ele- uh, energy balance, because uh, if uh, before it used to be that uh, most of the uh, energy consumption uh, comes uh, to the businesses and uh, industrial sector, now over the sixty percent of the electricity consumption is the actually the public. It's the building sectors. So it's because of the people now needs uh, 
more electricity for their air conditioning, for the for their heating in the winter. Uh, also, there is a lot of now new, new devices when you need the use of electricity, and this is already bringing into the new uh, challenge uh, for our energy system to provide the uh, reliable electricity supply, not uh, only uh, like uh, dependent from the uh, hydropower, but also diversifying diversifying the sector. And emergency situation uh, in the uh, energy sector is now is pretty much connected uh, with that, that uh, within the three years, we have to diversify our ele- uh, electricity supply sector uh, with the renewable energies. Mm-hmm, great. Thank you. And we're going to get to renewable energies in the show a little bit later. Farouk, uh, you know, downstream, you're way downstream. Kyrgyzstan's up in the mountains. If they don't have water, the situation is surely much worse down at the end of the river. Can you tell us a little bit about the situation with agriculture and water in Turkmenistan this summer? Yeah, it's uh, as, as you rightly pointed, it's getting uh, uh, worse uh, by day, uh, like ev- every year. L- last year, it was better. I mean, it was not perfect, but it was better. But this year, the, the uh, farmers, they are telling us that they never seen a situation like this when uh, uh, most of the most of the fields wheat or cotton fields they are not uh, water is not reaching uh, those fields and uh, they are desperate and it's not only in agriculture it's also like drinking water is hit by the situation people uh, are complaining that they like in the apartment buildings including in ashgabat they are left for hours without water, and uh, when like such uh, such uh, incidents happen, usually the local authorities they organize uh, transporting of water in um, containers or in uh, cisterns, and that's not uh, the case this year. I mean, they are not able to supply uh, population with water, so uh, the situation is unprecedented this year and we will we don't know what happens next year maybe it will be worse uh, if uh, the measures are not taken okay thanks farouk um and and Norzat, it, it, you know farouk was just talking about drinking water now running water to, to buildings was a problem in kyrgyzstan this summer have they made any progress on that uh yes uh, the, we had the first time i think that had a, also the problem in the capital city the problem with the drinking water supply and it was so drastic because uh, uh, it was pretty much connected actually the, with the climate change. Bishkek water, drinking water supplies happen from the underground water. And then uh, because of the climate uh, in the mountains was uh, cold, but uh, in the downs, in the valleys, it was so hot. Uh, we had a problem actually the, with the melting the uh, uh, ice and uh, glaciers in the mountains. So there was a not actually the enough water flow into the down, down uh, into the underground water so there was a quite a problem with the, this uh, water supply and uh, this is already led into the discussion about that uh, how actually that we are uh, we well uh, i mean that well prepared for this kind of the situation and there was uh, even the, some uh, protests uh, of the pop- people about that this uh, uh, providing the water supply into the uh, some uh, living areas and uh, this is already shows that uh, we will be having that challenge not only there with the energy but also the uh, with the even the supplying of the drinking water and uh, I think that this is also should lead us uh, now to thinking about that 
how to uh, not only improve the infrastructure of the water supply, but also about the, how to make sure that we actually de- use efficiently our water. You know, the, in a way that the city is growing, there is some internal migration, uh, people moving to the to the to the uh, cities, and then uh, it means also that the, our actually the water energy demand is increasing. Uh, so, in a way that, uh, that uh, we should actually uh, bring uh, this uh, very close coming uh, challenge in uh, in uh, Central Asian cities. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, Fru, can you follow up on that a little bit? With uh, you know, what's the situation with drinking water for people in Turkmenistan these days? I mean, you mentioned that they didn't have it, and the trucks were showing you know showing up. But how often does this happen? Do we have any idea what it's like in in smaller cities? Yeah, it uh, unfortunately it became very uh, frequent in in Ashgabat. Like from Ashgabat, we get it like every two or three days. Uh, our correspondents say. Or we, we were left without water for over 20 hours, for example. The other day uh, we, we had that, uh, that report. But uh, in, in smaller cities, uh, uh, the situation is, uh, situation is even worse. And uh, it seems like authorities at the moment are not able to manage the situation or to, to find any, any solutions. And it seems that they need help from outside uh, expert ex- expertise from outside to in order to tackle tackle the situation but of course as you know in Turkmenistan they never do that they never as they say take uh, the problems out out of the country uh, so uh, the, the the situation is uh, uh, deteriorated by uh, by their behavior but the, yeah, as you know, the situation is not is not good, and uh, we reported like in, in the past several months we've been reporting about this uh, situation on the uh, Amudarya River when uh, where uh, uh, Taliban government in, in Afghanistan is trying to take a considerable amount of water for for their own uh, purposes, uh, and next week, at least in the beginning of August, as you know. Uh, the uh, presidents of uh, three countries, Uzbekistan, uh, uh, Tajikistan, and Turkmenistan, will meet in Ashgabat, and most likely the I mean the, the purpose of the of, of the summit will be uh, the water issue. So a gathering of the, uh, the heads of states shows how uh, worrying uh, the the situation is. Um, thank you. And, you know, let me follow up with that a little bit because there's an, another problem that's associated with the, the rapid uh, decrease in the amount of water in the region. And that's these dust storms, which are now hitting Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan and did not in the past. Can you talk a little bit about the, those dust storms and how, are they becoming more frequent? Yes, yes, they are. It's not only, it's not only Turkmenistan and uh, Uzbekistan, it's also Tajikistan. We see uh, literally every week dust storms uh, in this part of the uh, region dust storms in that part of the region yeah they they became frequent and people in Turkmenistan at least they blame it for uh, this uh, silly and stupid decision by authorities to chop down the trees in 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 big quantities like over the past uh, decade or so and yeah but i think so it's not only the, the trees that, that are like they of course contribute, but the changing climates and uh, 
change in the in the uh, water resources are contributing greatly to this to this situation. Okay, thank you, and Elishir Sadiq, welcome. Um, you, you know, can you bring us up to, on what's happening with the what's the water situation in Uzbekistan these days? Uh, how much water is there, and how's it affecting agriculture, and also the people's ability to to get drinking water in their apartments? Yeah, I mean, uh, as, this is like a regional problem, as you rightly pointed out. So uh, Uzbekistan is uh, no exclusion, of course, and uh, this. This year, the drought uh, kind of hit very hard on agriculture. You know, uh, first in the in winter they were talking about uh, uh, something unprecedented cold. So you remember we were talking about it. So it it was super cold in winter. Uh, they call it abnormal cold or something. Uh, now it is the the vice versa. So from the worst calls in the in their recorded history, now they're talking about the worst heat waves. So, and this is happening only uh, during one year. And uh, when I looked into the heat map of our countries, you you will see that they are will they are the will be or already are the most affected by the shortage of water. And the problem in Uzbekistan that it's just. It's it's just like a shortage without any hope, you know, at some point. So if then the, you don't have uh, any water resource for desalination, for example, if you if you live in near, I mean, if your country like borders the sea, so it's uh, getting a big, uh, a bit b- problem. It's getting kind of bigger uh, in big cities. Drinking water is still available. The president says, uh, kind of a continue saying that providing water is his number one priority. But this is like uh, talks that are continuing for many years. Yeah, so which which kind of a getting worse and worse every year, not getting better. Uh, so in agriculture, what they started doing in the large, in a wide kind of scale. They're trying to collect the the rainwater uh, in the in these ponds covered in, with plastic. So these artificial ponds. Uh, so this never been the case before. Now they're doing it. They're talking a lot about uh, this dripped type of irrigation. We had uh, also uh, wrote about. I mean, uh, investigated this issue. It's also kind of very poorly conducted and uh, very bad quality of these tubes from China. So it's not like it's not like after that Uzbekistan is kind of becoming Israel in agriculture. Yeah, with drip irrigation, it's it's getting worse because of that. So yeah, and the uh, irrigation systems are very very obsolete from Soviet times. Very old uh very bad so that's it you know it's long long big story you know uh, we can talk about drought and the fact for hours um you know can you also tell us a little bit about dust storms in uzbekistan you know when they started how frequent they are yeah the dust storms uh especially you know it was something okay and like usual for for the uh regions bordering turkmenistan or like uh Rigid regions and deserts, but now we have it in uh, in Tashkent. Yeah, so they're very 
kind of a people when they see dust storms for some reason <laughs> people in Uzbekistan think it's because of booming construction in in the capital <laughs> they they believe it's just the dust from the booming construction and maybe part of it is true but uh, something like this uh, is becoming ordinary thing you know so we had the first bad dust storms in capital tashkent uh, i think two years ago and now we have it every year you know uh, several times a year so it's kind of uh, becoming more frequent how that affects uh, the city long term i mean uh, the health of uh, people it's it's a different issue they also talk a lot about uh, losing a lot of green areas due to this construction so basically this uh, i don't know what what's wrong with our central asian leaders especially maybe in turkmenistan and uzbekistan for some reason they hate trees and uh, on one hand they say they like trees they want to make it green on the other they just cutting everything <laughs> this is this is a mystery for me maybe they're from another planet i don't know but it's just i don't know if if any nobody could explain to me why they need to cut down the trees so in this worst climate Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, and, and since we got on that topic, I want to give um, Nurzata a chance to speak about that too, because this has been a big concern, and certainly in Bishkek, right? Uh, people complain about the fact that there isn't enough green areas. Are they doing anything about that? Uh, yeah, well, the, I think it's uh, really the problem very common for all our Central Asian countries because of the, this um, drought climate. We need uh, <clears throat> trees in order to make it... Uh, living condition in the cities. And you know that uh, during the Soviet Union, Bishkek, from, from there, and uh, also Tashkent and uh, Dushanbe and all other cities, they were green, uh, and we were very proud of it. Uh, but uh, it's also uh, really changing, and because of the this uh, new constructions uh, booming, and uh, there is uh, also this construction is happening without maybe with well-planned manner. I mean, we don't know that what is the general plan of the city. Uh, there are a lot of trees getting cut, and also it's connected with the road reconstruction. Uh, but uh, we are, uh, I mean, that the civil society is, uh, is raising a lot of uh, question about it and uh, trying to save the trees and as, mu as much as possible that uh, we actually uh, keep trees in a way that or we plant the new trees in a way that uh, actually they, it makes a shade and it makes uh, also the some climate in order to be able that uh, there is uh, some moisture in the air and then the city is actually the breezing. Uh, so I cannot say, unfortunately, that there is a lot of things is happening because I, I actually, the, uh, I mean, that greening is not uh, happening in one year. You have to, you, you need the several years in order that uh, this new planted trees becoming the really like grown up big trees, which is actually the bringing health of shade and uh, oxygen. Uh, so uh, there is a new parks are uh, I mean, organized, but uh, we don't have that much actually the trees already, which is uh, big and uh, bringing that, that uh, benefits to the citizens. It's drastically changed since uh, since the Soviet Union. If the comparison that how much, uh, for example, greenery we have a per person, 
Uh, and according to some data of the civil society organizations, it decreased actually the 17 times. So which is, uh, I think that uh, already shows that uh, some understanding that how much actually that we are already lacking of the trees. And uh, this is uh, also very important that uh, how actually the cities uh, will be, uh, I mean, that uh, it will be the good environment for the living, you know, because, uh, for example, you know that Bishkek is uh, located in the, uh, it's close to the mountains. So we suppose that the, there is a, like fresh air comes in, in the evening, in the nighttime from the mountains, and it's uh, actually the blue through the city. Uh, and then there should be the, actually the, some trees planted uh, from the north side of the city. So there will be no like uh, warm, uh, uh, like uh, sandy air blowing to the, from the, from the steps. But uh, this was the, actually the planning during the Soviet Union. And now I, I, I'm afraid that uh, we are not following most of the standards on that. We're talking about water and power problems in Central Asia this summer with Alishir Sadiq, the director of RFARL's Uzbek service, known locally as Azadlik, Farooq Yusufi, the director of RFARL's Turkmen service, known as known locally as Azadlik, and Nurzat Abdurasulova, president of the Unison Group, a Bishkek-based strategic advisory firm on sustainable opportunities. You know, and Nurzat, I'm going to start out with you again because you're upstream. Let's talk about energy. What? How bad is the energy problem that they've had to declare a three-year energy emergency in Kyrgyzstan? We are quite in the big lack of uh, electricity supply. So it's actually that this um, electricity supply uh, demand uh, is uh, increasing every year. And especially it's getting worse uh, with, with these last years of the droughts, which is happening in our countries. And uh, because of that, most of the electricity generation happens in the uh, hydropower stations. Now we have a problem that uh, there is not enough water uh, filled in our reservoirs uh, where we can actually uh, generate electricity and also provide the water for the uh, agriculture needs uh, to the downstream countries. Our main water reservoir, Toktogul, uh, which is uh, total capacity of the 19 billion uh, meter cubic water, is filled uh, currently about uh, 12, million, 12 billion only. And this is the almost into the very close to the uh, crisis. One, because um, uh, we are uh, in the middle of the summer when they actually that there should be, we suppose that there should be the, a lot of water coming melted from the mountains, but still we are quite lacking with the, with the water. And this is the bringing the huge problem because um, you know that uh, before, we um, used to say, uh, or our like energy uh, energy statistic was uh, showing that uh, we have a energy surplus uh, in the summertime because of that we have a generous water supply. And now we cannot say that because uh, we have a electricity scarcity in the winter time. We have electricity scarcity in the summertime, and this is the because of the also electricity demand is increasing. And uh, because of the heat and uh, heat as well, so this is the bringing already into the situation that um, well now we have a, a lack of electricity, and this is actually the big challenge for the economic growth, uh, because uh, now it's also a bit, bit very difficult uh, to maybe for the new um, investors, in a way that uh, there will be no electricity capacity available, uh, so. Uh, 
uh, Kyrgyz government uh, will be working on that uh, in a way that uh, diversified electricity supplies through the renewable energy sources mostly, because Kyrgyzstan is uh, quite rich with the solar energy. Uh, I mean, solar uh, energy capacity. Uh, we have uh, also some capacity for the small hydropowers. And uh, we have uh, also wind and uh, geothermal resources. Uh, but this is all need to be developed, you know, because uh, there is uh, some few existing small hydropowers and then uh, just a few projects also developing will be developed on the solar and wind. But it uh, really takes the uh, time and then also some uh, maybe a quick uh, decision-making from the government side. And this three-year emergency plan is also connected with that, that uh, we need really within the three years uh, maximum to uh, make it uh, happen, all the realistic renewable energy projects uh, in the country. Okay. And, uh, oh, within that, uh, I will also include that uh, maybe we need to... Uh, to think about it also demand side, not only the supply side, you know, uh, because uh, we have to think about it, how much is our demand uh, and uh, how much is uh, energy intense? Because uh, in our countries, uh, I believe that it is the same for Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan and uh, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, that uh, our countries' is, uh, the energy use is very energy intense. And uh, there is a huge, uh, actually, the uh, potential for the energy saving. And use of uh, energy efficiency uh, use is uh, very important. And uh, I think that uh, our government policies should uh, focus not only about the, how to actually the increase that supply of the energy, but also how to actually the, uh, effectively manage the demand side in a way that we uh, have um, uh, the same electricity is actually the efficiently enough uh, for the existing demand because uh, it's uh, clear that we cannot uh, build that this, this needed capacities very quickly in two, one to two years but uh, we need to make sure that at least that there is a public awareness about uh, how to save the energy and this is the, and also there is a, actually the good examples from the government um, uh, facilities as well that how it can be managed uh, in uh, energy and resource efficiency way. Thank you for your comment. Um, Alishir, I want to move to you because let's follow up on this and, and problems with uh, energy this in this summer in Uzbekistan. Um, you know, I was struck that recently there was a, an article by Uz Daily um, that was talking about that they were going to have to shut down the electricity of the Ujtepe and, and Almazar districts in Tashkent. And, and according to the article, this was in order to provide consumers with stable electricity. Um, which kind of was strange that they're announcing they're going to cut you off so that they can provide you with stable electricity. Are, are there blackouts? Uh, are they common in Tashkent and are they common across Uzbekistan? Yeah, it's a mir- miraculous place, you know. <laughs> uh, if Kyrgyzstan just now started uh, kind of a, or stated about state of emergency, we have unstate, never stated state of emergency for like uh, years now with electricity. And uh, people in why I'm talking about capital Tashkent because it's you've been there, Bruce. It's the place where people would never have these problems with drinking water, with uh, with electricity, and uh, it's big, big capital, and uh, it was never uh, sort of something a matter of their concern. Yeah. So, and I use 
back like even 10 years ago i used to say if situation would continue like this we will start feeling it in capital tashkent you know i'm talking about capital tashkent because the regions outside capital tashkent it's just there's no point about even talking on about electricity there it's something like comes and goes when it when it wants so it's not something you know which government provides on uh, regular and I don't know undisturbed manner. So we have this uh, in Tashkent a lot, especially this year. They say you know it's due to increased consumption, and the government whenever something lacking, they, it's always due to increased consumption. You know it's not due to increased corruption, so or due to lack of management or mismanagement. It's always like and then let's hunt down this. Uh, people who steal the gas you know why we don't have gas because people stealing the gas it's not because we stole a lot of money and asked uh, kind of a, and uh, that l- led to reduction of the production so it's it's not very it, they don't you know complicate it with this you know with with the real reasons for all this uh, in and the usual they just say oh we have a potential to save to you know to to spend less water let's cut shut it down or let's shut it down kind of a, a electricity for a while because we need to say save it and by the way there are people who stealing it and they show these people on tv you know it's big news when they find these bad people who steal the electricity uh, almost like they stole the whole electricity of the country you know so that's kind of how it works. But all our uh, investigative reports, you know, take it about the gas, yeah, when, uh, or take it about the, you know, the, the drought and the government's reaction to it. It always shows like the underlying big problem, which is, which is mismanagement, corruption, embezzlement on the very, very top level. So that's unavoidable and that's is and it's unavoidable talking about any area of economy in Uzbekistan or any social uh, thing in Uzbekistan it's unavoidable to to bump into this big elephant in the room so what are they spending uh, all their money these days you might think oh for electricity or for irrigation systems to upgrade no they're building a new Tashkent uh, between in the most fertile lands, uh, irrigated for fertile lands uh, in the outside Tashkent now, they're building new Tashkent. It's a multi-billion project between two rivers, Chirchik and uh, Karasu. Instead of saving this land for <laughs> agriculture, which is uh, irrigation, given the rise of uh, population and the increased number of people, mouses to feed. No, they're just building this new capital to to host their elites what they what, what it's officially announced that the the new capital will host uh, government offices uh, elite schools hospitals and so on and so forth so that's where the money goes so it's not going to irrigation or at, at least i haven't i haven't heard about multi-billion dollar mega project to upgrade the whole irrigation system in uzbekistan so that's that's not, we're not hearing that yet. Thank you. 
Okay, thank you. Um, Farouk, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the power situation um, this, this summer for people in Turkmenistan? I mean, if there's anywhere in, in Central Asia where people really need air conditioners, it's Turkmenistan. And yet uh, we hear that there's they're having outages in all kinds of places around the country. Yeah, they, they, they're having outages. We report about this on daily basis. Just today we reported about burning down of an outdated electric substation in uh, Leba province. Uh, uh, Turkmenistan has 12 uh, ele- uh, power plants, most of, like, of, uh, all of them like uh, powered by, by gas and steam. Uh, like 50, I think 51 uh, gas turbines and another uh, 40 uh, steam turbines, they all, I mean, the power is generated naturally by natural gas in Turkmenistan. And one would think that that would be enough to uh, provide the population of 4 million, maybe even less, uh, with electricity, but uh, it's not happening. And uh, most of that uh, electricity is for export. They export to Afghanistan, Iran, and Uzbekistan, by the way. And one uh, indication that the uh, the government does not want to provide its population uh, with electricity is that they don't want to upgrade uh, their electricity grid, which has been used, as I said, it's outdated and it's been used since the, since uh, Soviet times. And the one that that burned down uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, is uh, was built uh, in uh, 1980s, uh, according to our correspondent. So they produce a lot of gas, uh, I mean, a lot of electricity, but uh, the, the population is not getting it. And in previous years, Ashgabat was better off than other uh, regions of the country. But this year, especially in uh, the, this cold winter, last winter, uh, extremely hot uh, summer, they are getting uh, uh, blackouts very regularly. Sometimes those blackouts last more than 24 hours. So the situation is the same as in other countries of the region, if not the worse. Okay, we're getting close to the end. Thank you, Farouk. We're getting close to the end of the show, so I'm going to give you, uh, everybody a chance to make last comments. But but I also uh, want to pose a question that um, what what – uh, efforts are the governments in your country is the government in your country uh, making to try to address this problem and are they keeping in mind the fact that the with the exception of Turkmenistan uh, the populations of Kyrgyzstan and Uzbekistan certainly are growing and so is there any evidence that the the projects that they have to provide energy are are not only capable of dealing with the current population but the populations of the country 10 and 20 years from now uh, and I'll start with you Alice here yeah, you're pinpointed to the to the very very kind of uh, important topic. So exactly. So this this is what I said. What I meant that the growing population in the in the situation of growing population, we are seeing only very sporadic uh, news about the construction of new hydropower or launching of new thing. What they do now is. Uh, somebody told them that solar power uh, power solar panels are the best yeah so now they're forcing all people to purchase solar power solar panels but when you talk to experts they say it's not 
it's not how it works you know by installing a solar panel on the on the top of your roof you will you are not really you know helping economy or yourself so it's a uh, it's big bigger thing than that so uh, now every farmer is or every entity and uh, they're now forced to purchase solar power uh, panels it's it doesn't matter if they connected anywhere it, the only thing that matters when president comes to that region he sees that these solar panels there so that's they want to basically how do you say to to kind of lay the solution of this problem onto people themselves so basically people themselves are the cause of this problem because you are too much second you're stealing and third if you need to buy a solar panel to get yourself electricity this kind of approach you know it's not like uh, the government is doing its main commitments in this ener- energy sphere so this is one thing and of course you you also heard this horrible news from today yeah a, a young woman uh who stuck in the elevator in tashkent suffocated to death because of uh you know electricity outage and uh that's kind of a she couldn't get any help and she just she was just literally baked in uh in this elevator so that's uh the most discussed topic of course people are angry but uh, this type of news we would never hear like a couple of years ago yeah why why would someone somebody just stuck and and dies in the elevator it's like horrible yeah that's it Bruce. okay thank you alishir uh fruit to you um turkmen government i mean i can remember years ago right after berdy gurban guli berdy mukhamedov became president he was talking about those vast tracts of turkmen land where no one lived and they would install solar panels all across the place and they had this amazing solar potential and everything are they pursuing anything like that at all anymore or are they encouraging people to get solar panels or use windmills or anything no unfortunately not like it was just uh as 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 you said it was just in the beginning of Gurbanguly Berdimuhamedov's uh, uh, rule but uh, they after that they you know, did like uh, talk about it just for the sake of talking but uh, n- uh, no such projects is in in the works at least we don't know at least uh, the official media is not uh, talking about this So yeah no no uh, and uh, as as you rightly pointed out the the population of Turkmenistan unlike other uh, countries of the region is not growing but is declining um, according to uh, to the sources uh, of course the government uh, recently announced that it's surpa- the population of uh, uh, Turkmenistan surpassed uh, 7 million and it's not uh, Uh, the, the least popular, populated country uh, in the region anymore because it's all overtook uh, Kyrgyzstan's population but which is uh, all of our uh, all of our uh, so, uh, sources they are denying it and they are saying this is just outrageous outrageous lie uh yeah i mean and uh, there are, there are no projects uh, to fix the situation like with energy and these uh, problems are uh, the the root cause of the of the declining population and other problems too like and uh, as uh, uh, Alisher 
uh, Alisher made a, a very uh, interesting point that they blame the population, that's the people themselves. Uh, just a couple of days ago, we had a report when uh, the government authority, uh, government uh, uh, officials had meetings with the uh, employees of public organizations and told that it is the people's fault that Azad League is reporting about all these problems. If people didn't whine, then Azad League wouldn't have anything to report about. So it's, uh, that's a very, very interesting situation when the government creates all the problems and then it blames the peoples themselves. Oh, classic kill the messenger uh, philosophy. Um, okay, Nurzat, we're going to leave it to you uh, last. And, and you know, that there was some interesting interesting point that Ali Sher and Farouk uh, brought up was the fact that the governments tend to blame the people for this. And certainly we've heard this from the leadership in Kyrgyzstan. Uh, that yeah, before, you go, before you go forward, Bruce, uh, last week uh, one of the uh, kind of a top politicians in Uzbekistan blamed people for poverty. So he said, Poor people are are they they just you know lazy. It's it's their problem. You know that's what they say. This even the poverty is on people. So you're poor because you're bad. You know that's kind of the message they're sending. Wow, that has echoes of the Karima era all over it. Um, um, you know, Nurzat, can you speak a little bit about that? You know, uh, I mentioned in your final comments that you know what what the government uh, are, are they accepting blame or I, like I said it, I remember that some officials including the president have said that Kyrgyz, you know Kyrgyz um, use too much electricity the people in Kyrgyzstan use too much it's so cheap that they don't think about it you know and so they're partially to blame but but also the you know the to get to the bigger question of you've mentioned some of these renewables but in Kyrgyzstan's case they're trying to bring in some of this other some of these other renewable sources wind solar at a time when it looks like they're going to be, uh, there's going to be less hydropower produced in the country. Can it meet the needs of a growing population by transfer, really substituting one renewable for another? I think it's a little bit the situation is different in Kyrgyzstan because you know that we experienced uh, several times the public uh, revolutions and uh, our um, like uh, public statement is uh, still... Uh, very, uh, I would say, powerful or listened by the government side. So in this way, that uh, it's not so easy actually that, that you start the blaming the public about the all and the, all the all the challenges which this country has. But on the other hand, that uh, is true that uh, everybody is talking about the low tariffs, and uh, which is uh, actually the not easy to change the situation because it's becoming so political. But the government uh, they talk a lot about the generation side. I mean that uh, uh, increasing the electricity capacity generation. So it's uh, more about that how actually to make sure that there will be the enough uh, electricity capacity, uh, uh, new capacities. So we will be generating electricity in a way that there will be the enough now and then in the future, because uh, we clearly understand that there is actually the huge um, demand. Uh, is uh, um, every year because according to the national strategy documents, it's uh, already uh, demand is increasing every year by uh, by to five percent uh, from the existing level, and uh, this demand is uh, so plus every 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 year. So you can you can imagine that how it's actually getting bigger and bigger. So uh, Kyrgyzstan was always relying relying about the hydropower sources. 
And uh, that's why they are talking about now to building, of course, another big hydropower uh, capacity like Kambarata 1. And then another uh, option which they are seriously considering is about nuclear energy. Uh, they're building the smaller nuclear capacity in, to make sure that because they, they believe that this is actually the good energy source, uh, which will be not de- depending from the uh, climate change. But in other hand, that uh, also there is a, a civil society opinion about it that uh, hydro, I mean, the nuclear is not the solution for the Kyrgyzstan because of the seismic situation, because of the risk of the using of the, this uranium, and certainly because uh, uranium, uh, I mean, that the nuclear power stations also require a lot of water for their cooling, and uh, this is the, actually the, also the. I think that the decision which should be the think it uh, over and over again in you know, order to, to make sure that this is the good uh, and safe um, and uh, beneficial uh, project for Kyrgyzstan. Uh, about the renewable energy sources, yes, there is a good uh, capacity. We understand also that because of the, all these droughts and climate change, probably not that much of the small hydro projects will happen. Uh, they should be actually well investigated, I suppose. But there is a huge uh, effort by the government side that to attract uh, as much as investors who wants to build uh, solar, wind and uh, hydropower in Kyrgyzstan. We don't see it so much that so far that uh, already there is actual projects happening. Uh, but uh, maybe we are just in the beginning, in the start, because like... Uh, I think Alicia said that uh, we are just uh, stating that uh, Kyrgyzstan has that this emergency situation in energy. Even we had this uh, crisis already. I mean that we had that this. Uh, we see the coming the crisis in few years before, and uh, now it's uh, probably. It seems that everybody is already understanding that this is really serious and uh, it's becoming the uh, new. Um, I mean, that new big challenge for the economy uh, and for, for the people's well-being. So from this point of view, uh, we are talking about a lot on the generation capacity, capacity, capacity increasing, power, power capacity increasing. But I believe also that we have to think about it also, how we can work with the energy demand management in order, for example, to improve the uh, energy efficiency. And one of the things which is uh, Kyrgyzstan is doing, maybe uh, comparing for other Central Asian countries, is about energy efficiency in buildings. Because Kyrgyzstan has a, a like a dedicated uh, primary law about energy performance of uh, buildings, uh, uh, which is uh, now required by the government. is obligatory that all the new buildings which will be built from now should actually the, uh, follow into the minimum energy requirements class B, and I can say that it's actually there with well well uh, on the implementation side. But at least that we have it on the low level, we have it already on the implementation side that is a requirement by the government uh, agencies, and then uh, there is uh, already independent uh, energy auditors which, which will be actually doing this energy certification of buildings. And this is also makes a um, little hope for us that uh, there will be the, some work uh, also happening with the developers, uh, with the uh, uh, and then also building. Uh, I mean that f- energy huge consumers in order to 
also optimize the energy demand uh, from uh, other side because there is a economy is always about the supply and demand. So we need to make sure that there is enough supply and there is a, a well uh, managed demand, and then this makes the, actually the good balance for the country benefits. Okay, thank you. Uh, obviously, this is a big topic, and we can go on and on about this. And I'm sure we'll be back. Yeah, exactly. Super big topic. Exactly. We didn't even uh, scratch the surface of it. Yeah. I know. Uh, I know. So I'm gonna, have to, <laughs> I'm gonna have to make sure I can invite you all back onto the program again real soon. Um, I'd, like to think, I'd like to think for positive developments, but it's probably the opposite is going to be true here. Uh, but I have. No. Kept- yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there is like objective reasons. Yeah, global warming, all this stuff reducing uh, reduction of water supplies and on the top of it countries upstream building more dams yeah reducing more water then afghanistan is uh, taking one third of amudarya for 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 its you know uh, needs and to, to tackle drought so and on the top of it you have a uh, corruption which derails every project you know big project and everything is must be investigated they started building kind of a, a, you know, photo electrical station, like, uh, and also we don't know who is building, what is, what is this offshore company who is giving the contract, who is bringing these solar panels. So that's the, uh, that's making obviously uh, things even worse. I agree. Transparency is always is a huge problem with the energy sector in general across Central Asia, whether it's renewable or hydro, uh, you know, fossil fossil fuels, hydrocarbons, those kind of things. Um, but I will let you go because it is Friday, and it is I've been holding you for fifty five minutes almost right now. Um, so uh, thank you, Farouk and Nurzat and Ali Shir for being on the program today, and a big thanks as always to Nathan Shoemaker, our Medley's podcast producer in Washington D.C. And a reminder, you can subscribe to the Medjelis podcast or the Central Asian Focus newsletter by visiting RFARL's website at rfarl.org. Thanks, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.